This is the King and Badger Show as part of the Monmouth Digital Network. Woo woo! And now, woo woo! here are your hosts, Coach King Rice and Gary the Badger Koal. Yeah. The ones that hate me the most look just like me. You tell me what that means. Make a slick comment. And we launch into another episode of the King and Badger podcast with a special guest this afternoon, Coach Rice. You're firing up with some dancing today. You know, and, and everybody, I'm still dancing. I had one friend in last night. John Dunn did the John Dunn dance on me. So now I got to do the dance this morning. But I'm here, everybody. No hiding. No hiding. I don't do that. We just got whooped by a strong Maris team last night that played one of their better games. But we're going to move forward. We still feel like we got a great chance to finish this season the way it's supposed to be. But uh, we'll put that behind us because today is a new day. And I got my man. My man, 50 grand. Go way, way back. And y'all probably going to see him in a couple of days. You're going to see him in a couple of days. But this is my man, the head coach at Manhattan College. Steve Massiello is joining us today. What up, Stevie? What's up, big bro? Thanks for having me on. I love it. Great stuff. Great stuff. Hey, how you like that Jack Harlow, man? How you like that Jack Harlow? Hey, man, the, the, the ones that are just like me hate me the most. I can relate to that. <laughs> Yo, we, I think we, we do have some things in common, Coach. We have some things in common. So that's We got a lot of things in common, man. A lot, a lot, a lot of things in common. That's, that's the truth. A lot of haters out there, though, too. Yeah, we, when we were just talking about a little bit of the hate, uh, before we got on the podcast and you know we're we're trying to be in our older age over here at the rice house we we not gonna let the haters take up too much of our time because we've we've been dealing with that for a long time and my wife did tell me she thought I was gonna mature at some day so now I think I'm I'm maturing a little bit because I'm not letting the hate get on me Stevie well first of all you know you, in, in order for there to be hate it means you have to be doing something really well in your life because they don't they don't hate on people who do nothing or haven't accomplished anything. So what you've accomplished in your career, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't know this. Like, I, I probably would have gotten out of basketball if it wasn't for King. And I, I was an assistant for Bobby and Dallas at Manhattan. And at the time, King, I think you were working with Rick, um, doing some stuff with him, and you were messing with the uh, Bohemian National Team a little bit. Um, and yeah. I was going through it as an assistant coach. What do you like, mean going, going through it, Stevie? What do you mean? You was working with Gonzo and you was yeah. going through it? <laughs> I, was, I was, bro, I was questioning if this was for me. You know, like just just certain things. Just I was 20, I was young, I was 24, 25, and you just don't know. And King was a big part of keeping me on that right track of block out the noise, keep your head down, work, don't worry about it. And I'll, I'll never forget, like, you always had that impression like, on, in my life at a young age, and you've done that for so many. So it, it, it's just funny, like, outsiders judge certain things. You know, it's like, you know, people don't understand how many lives you've affected. Uh, never mind the kids you coach, but just in the league and, and around and in basketball and, you know, so many great things. So, like, anytime there's hate, man, I actually embrace it. I love it. I, I love it. You know, it, it it actually keeps me focused and keeps me going. And, you know, and for you, man, you know, you know the love I have for you. 
Well, Stevie, we've been, we, I, I was telling uh, Badger and Greg, you know, we go way back and, you know, and when people are like, well, what are you guys going to talk about? I'm like, we could talk about so many things, <laughs> you know, and Steve just brought that up, you know, when I used to come to town when he was an assistant at Manhattan, you know, and then that reminds me of a time when I was an assistant at Vanderbilt and with Kevin Stallings and you were with Coach P at Louisville yep. and... Um, we were trying to find some new ways of doing some things and coach Stallings had always been a fan of coach P's and me and you were boys. So I was like, man, yep. I could call Stevie and, and we, you welcomed us up into a practice and yep. coach Stallings and I got to come and watch how coach P did it. And I remember walking in and when, when he first talked and he had the microphone and it came through the speakers and I was like, man, I hope coach Stallings doesn't do this <laughs> because coach Stallings be yelling at me all the time. So if he's got a microphone, the whole town might know he's going off on me. But talk, talk about when, when we came up there, Stevie, and just, I think Walter McCarty was on the staff and had to do the scout. It was like the second day of practice and, Coach P had Walter do the scout of the team that you guys were going to play a month later. And I just was like, and you, you told me, he said, hey, King, he, that's how we do it here. And, and yeah, he yeah. didn't get to bring any papers for the scout on the court. Oh, no, absolutely not. If you have to bring papers, you don't know. So, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it coach, everything's in coach's head. So we had a right. – like, I felt like I was prepared for the damn SAT or something every scout. You're up to memorizing <laughs> – the other team stuff because he bring paper down, you know, he's, you're, you're going to get jumped. But, you know, Coach P, it's, it's why I, I would like to think I've, I've, I've had a, you know, been able to be a head coach as long as I am, have had have some success that I've had. And um, a lot of it's because of Coach Patino. But, you know, I think the best thing that, you know, King, you and I kind of came up through this thing together in, in a lot of different ways, both got our head jobs at the same time. But, you know, there's so much love behind the scenes in helping one another and helping people. Um, and that, that's something I know you've done for so many. I remember when you and Coach Stones came up, we sat down, we talked zone, we talked man, we talked different lot, and just and you get to talk about what you love, you know, and that, that's what it's really all about. I mean, I think that's, you know, so awesome when we, we, we can bond over those things. But you were right. I mean, damn, when I, when I think about when you used to come up to New York and I got to know B. Reese back then, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you know, like your crew's always been your crew or, you know, people don't know this. If we're on the road recruiting, King and I are gonna, you know, we're gonna get up in Vegas. We're we go away to Puerto Rico to Under Armour event. So we have so much fun behind the scenes. You know what I mean? And I, I like to get King going. I like to give him a hard time because I know I can get in his head a little bit sometimes <laughs> and, get him, and get him mad. So I do it just to get the old King right out. A lot of people don't know the old King right, so I try to get it out every once in a while. <laughs> See, because that's what I was wondering. I was telling these guys, I could ask them, how come when we play each other, you be looking down at our bench so much? <laughs> and now you done told me because you know you're going to mess with me and get me mad. See, Stevie, that's messed up, man. Hey, man, I, listen, you, you beat me like the last eight times, bro. I haven't gotten a win, man. So the only chance I got is if I can get you mad. I got to try to get you mad a little bit. So I got to mess with King. I got to stare down at him. You know, but his teams have been so good. It has it hasn't mattered. He's, you know, he's grown so much. He's so good at what he does. He's so locked in on his craft, man. It's it's. I'm so proud. Of you. I'm just so proud of you and what you've accomplished, bro. It's it's really special. And Stevie, you know, we and everybody. I want you to know this is this is truly how Steve and I get down. Um, I'm yeah. friends with him. Okay, I, I know his wife. 
he he knows my wife and every time we play each other I'm checking on Mrs. Massiello not his wife but his mom okay yep. uh, his mom and his aunts came down to the shore and called my wife and they had a shore day down here <laughs> you know yeah. so this this truly is, is a friendship that's going to last is we we play each other he knows I want to win I know he wants to win and but we're never going to let that get in the way. And usually right after the game, we call each other, um, one yep. of us saying, hey, good job, and and just try to encourage each other because it does get heavy sometimes, you know. And we yep. do have public jobs that, you know, you can't show when you're down. You just can't because you, your team is counting on you not to be down, your school, your staff, your fans, everybody, and you you, you need people to talk to. And I truly am fortunate that <clears throat> I have Steve Massiello as a friend. He always answers when I call, even when he's busy. He'll stop and, and take the time to give me a few minutes um, to maybe talk me off the ledge, maybe pick me up, or just maybe rap and we make sure each other's are, are good. And I'm thankful for this relationship, Stevie. Thankful, brother. I feel, I feel, I feel the same way, brother. I feel the same way, man. It's uh... You know, certain people get put in your life, and, and, and I'll never forget the day when you called me and you got the job uh, up in Monmouth and how happy you were and, and, and what you've overcome and been through. And, you know, King has shared a lot of stories with me just about his family and his upbringing and back in Binghamton and things he's been through and his trials and tribulations. And I, I thought, like, I have, I have a young man right now on my team, I'm not going to say his name, who, who was going through it a little bit. And I actually used King as the example of, of what he could be. And, and, you know, so when you really peel back the layers and, and that's why it's crazy that, you know, we're judged on wins and losses, but that's his business and, and we signed up for it. So you can't ever um, shy away from that. You have to embrace that. But the impact that, that you have on so many guys, you know, when I come down and I see Micah on the sideline as a former player, I get goosebumps, you know, because right. I know, I know how that went. I remember you calling me when he was he was leaving and what was going like. I remember our conversations about that type of stuff, you know. Right. And and now to see like you change that man's life, you know what I mean. You you're gonna make him so. That's the joy. Those are the conversations we have. How we're impacting some of our guys about being a father, being a husband one day, and and that you know whether you win ten more games or not, I don't know if that really changes uh, you know uh, what the impact you're having, man. And that's 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 where the power is. And that's why Steve is one of the best coaches, not just in our league, but all around, okay? He's so aware of what's going on. He has one of the biggest hearts. He's changing lives too, okay? That's why he does it, okay? And you can see the impact all the time um, when you go over there, but I get to see it a little closer uh, because I know some of his former guys and I know the – the things he's doing in their lives, even after they're done, you know? So Steve, I, I truly am thankful that you called in today. Everybody, we're going to have a fun battle in a day or two. Steve's going to try to whoop me. I'm going to try to whoop him, but we're going to be boys after. And no, no before, doubt. before we became head coaches, Tell him, Steve, we had some fun in L.A. too, baby. Oh, but we're not going to tell all those stories today. We're not, not going to tell all the stories, but I'm going to say this. <laughs> King and I. I'm just here listening, good. by the way. I just want to hear about all this. We have had a lot of good times. Uh, when I say a lot of good times, 
Man, it, it's been, I, I just, I must say, the gate in L.A., we had a lot of good nights. A lot of good nights out in L.A. Sky bar. Oh, man. <laughs> the gate. Uh, take it back. I'm, I'm going to say one place. You can, I'm going to go way back right now. Eugene's New York City. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> oh, I remember. <laughs> I was a younger, right. younger, younger man, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you could refer to me as a man. Just call me a younger, younger, younger. Back then, I don't know what yeah. I was, <laughs> but it was fun. We, 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 we had some fun. We, we had a lot of fun. And, and, and I'll, you know, before I go, last thing I'll say is, I hope in this business you see a lot of guys who preach family. But I, I'll tell you this, I don't know if I've seen King without one of his staff members with him when we're out. He always has his staff with him. And that, to me, is so telling about, about a coach and a leader because it, it's really, it's real. It's real over there. And that's why you've had the success you've had. And that's why what you've built is so, so special because it's all based on real relationships. And that's, that my man is what, what I love. Well, Stevie, I appreciate you, bro. And um, like I said, I'm going to see you over there on Saturday. I know it's going to be, I know you're going to have them kids screaming all kinds of stuff at me on the end of the bench. <laughs> I'm going to try not to walk down there and pay attention to them kids because they come at, I don't know, Iona, the Iona people come and say stuff, but your kids say funny stuff. They they make me laugh at myself, some of the things that the Manhattan kids say. Like, it's like, they, they don't even get you mad, it's funny. And it's like, man, that kid, how you even come up with that? Right, right. You got too much time on your hand, kid. They're researching you too much. You know, they're... they're I got. I got to ask you one question before I go. Favorite player you coached at my mom? Favorite player? Not oh, the best. Man. Not the best. You're, you're the guy you you just you love coaching the most. Who, who would you say it was? You had some good ones. No, I mean, you had no. some real good ones. Wow, man! Ah, I'm trying to. You know what, Stevie? Uh, I'd probably have to say former guy. Josh James. Josh James. Josh on your James. staff, right? Yep. And he's on my staff now. Yep. Let me tell you how, how cold-blooded King is, okay? He got Josh James, who's from my old high school, who grew up five minutes from me, okay? Okay? To leave my backyard, he <laughs> go down to the Jersey Shore. That, that's how – I mean, this, this kid should have been a no-brainer for me. We don't get him. King, King takes him, and he's his favorite player. That he coached, and that's that's why that's why you're the best, bro. That's why you're the best. And and I and let me tell you, that was B Reese, Stevie. So you gotta get B Reese <laughs> on that, bro. <laughs> B Reese, B Reese. I think because he was from New York, I couldn't get it done. Yeah. I'm upstate guy. B Reese, <laughs> B Reese was all over that one because because all the yeah. other New York guys went to Manhattan, <laughs> yeah, yeah. all of them. <laughs> so I think it was like, okay, let King have one. <laughs> And you let me have a good one, but all the rest of them that you had, uh, you know, you said we've been winning for a while, but I think it took us like four years to get a win or maybe five years to get a win against Manhattan. So no, I appreciate I you letting me have Josh <laughs> since, <laughs> since we couldn't get any wins and when I really needed them. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's all good, bro. As long as it's you and no one else, I'm good with it. All right, bro. Well, Stevie, thank you so much, man, for calling in and, and doing this with us, um, and we will definitely see you on Saturday. And let's—I already know how it's going to be, brother. But I still can't wait to see. 
You're the best, brother. Talk to you later, man. Love right, you. man. Love you, bro. Later. I don't get to have no more. Don't get to have that no more. Is this what Steve was talking about back in the day in LA? Uh, Back here on the King of Badger podcast. uh, Just wrapped up with Coach Massiello from Manhattan. Really awesome conversation between you guys. Uh, Just shows the admiration you both have for each other, your friendship, how long you've known each other. Some cool things came out in that about about Jig and about... uh, other things that have gone on throughout your coaching careers. Um, and it shows because, like you talked about, you guys constantly join at each other when you're on the same sideline going against each other. No, and I, you know, I remember coming back to, to when when he was coaching at Manhattan, working with Gonzo, and, you know, everybody knows Gonzo's from my town, from Binghamton, and was the head coach there before at Seton Hall, and they had a lot of success while, while Bobby was the coach, and Steve had a big part in that. And... You know, when you're a young guy and you're doing it and you're, you're making a name for yourself and you got a demanding head coach, sometimes it, it's hard. You know, it's hard. And this business has changed so much. Head coaches used to really, really lay into their assistants and some more than others. But, but that was part of the maturing process in this business that you had to be able to take a heavy-handed head coach as, as being an assistant coach. And there was a lot of things asked of you to do, and and they didn't say please a lot. And you just had to do it, and that's just how you grew up in the business. And if you complained, then you weren't good enough to be in the business. So I remember coming in, Rick and I coming into the city because he was filming Oz, and uh, we would always go by and see uh, see Gonzo's team, and Rick would speak to him and Steve and I were really cool back then when he was a young dude and just trying to explain to him, listen, man, you, you're going to be really good at this. Don't worry about how coach says it, you know, don't even worry about that. Just keep doing your job, how you're supposed to do. And they won and Steve made a name for himself. And I'm, I'm just glad it went the way it did for Steve. You know, now he comes back to Manhattan and wins two championships and builds it up again after they had not been good for a while after Bobby had left. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool relationship and just another one of the coaches in the league that, that I know you're so so tight with. Um, flip it back to last weekend. We uh, we split. Um, actually, pardon me. We went 2-1 and one over the last three. Um, but Friday night I thought was – Really cool night, and we talk sometimes, and I talk with Ricky about it. Some of the cool nights we've had since 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 I've been here. Some of the cool nights we have Monmouth basketball. I think about the night Justin broke the scoring record, and we had all those guys back. Uh, I think about last year we did senior night virtually with all those guys and their parents on the video board. I thought Friday night probably unintentionally it's going to work its way into that list. Marcus McClary goes out, breaks the all time games played record, and then banks in the three to win the game. It's just something you can't make up. It's like almost like a movie. Uh, how awesome was that for you to, to, to watch a kid that we all love, like Marcus, do something like that? Well, first off, if it was a movie, we would go, man, Disney went too far. <laughs> <laughs> they went too far, man. That, that it, it would never happen like that. But, you know, when I think of Marcus, you know, I think about him coming from the Patrick School, okay? And that tells you right there he's a winner. 
when you when you play at that level of a program. But then when you when you pull the covers back a little bit, you know, Marcus is retired at the Patrick School. Okay? He's one of the people that has his deal retired at the Patrick School. Well, the other guys are Kyrie, uh, Michael Kidd Gil- Gilchrist. I think those guys were number one picks or top two or three picks. And then Marcus. And there might be one or two more that are all top picks. And Marcus. And I remember when I first saw him, like I just loved how badly he wanted to play defense and shut people down. I didn't even know if he could play yet. I hadn't watched him really in the games. But I watched him do some stuff with their team on the floor, and it's like this kid thinks he can guard every every kid. And you got to understand the people he was doing that against, you know, Bryce Aiken was on his team. They had another young man that went to Rhode Island I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but he was a big-time kid, and Marcus was volunteering to guard these guys as a junior. And I just was like, he's the kid for us. And then to get him and for him to be how he is as a kid, you know, his parents did an incredible job. Marcus, he just always does what he's supposed to do. And at that age, that's hard. You don't have a lot of kids that does do everything they're supposed to, but that's Marcus. So when when a night like that happens where he does break the record because he gets to have a fifth year, and he was the first one to say he was staying, okay, so he gets a fifth year. He's attacking his schoolwork better than he ever has, so he's matured, and then good things happen for him on the court. He breaks the record, and then he banks in a three to win a game. And when he let that thing go, everybody, I was kind of in line with it. And I was like, no way. Like, he shot that ball so hard. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Mark. And then it banked in, okay? And that's we talk a lot about the basketball gods, that if you live right, if you're doing right, if your heart's in the right place, if your teammate is open and you're open and you want to shoot it, shoot it, but you throw it to the, you make the right play, then great things will happen for you. That's Marcus. So he always does what's right by the team. Every kid wants to score. Everybody wants to shoot more. And I let everybody shoot, and Marcus still does the right thing all the time. So when a kid like that gets an opportunity where we could praise him, we should all line up to do it because he impacts winning. He impacts culture. You know, he's a leader in the locker room. He speaks up, and he's always giving the right advice for younger guys. So – you know, guys like him, guys like Austin Tillman, that didn't get all the credit that they, you know, if they were on another team, they might get more more credit around town. But these guys came and did their job every single day with no complaints at a high level, and I'm thankful I got to coach him. And he's the kind of kid that doesn't even really care about the, the accolades or the publicity or anything like that. He hits a game-winning shot, and he just turns around and, he don't really even put his hands in the air. He just turns around and walks over to George. Slaps his man five that he's been playing against since they were in fourth grade. You know, George is like, yo, look what we did. Marcus hit the shot. He's like, yo, what up? Cool. We won. <laughs> we got another game coming. But that's, you know, when, when things you do it this long, you want things like that for your kids. You want it for their parents. You know, I sit up there. I come out and I see Marcus's mom and dad every game. and They always wave. They've never complained. 
They never said, hey, coach, my son's a, a wing, man. You playing him at the five. What you doing? Okay, they've never one time called me with a complaint. You know, and that just how he got raised at home and, you know, his family letting him grow into the man that he's becoming and not overstepping, trying to get him more on the basketball court and just understanding let him do this is is we're lucky that we have Marcus McClary in our program. Marcus does that Friday night. We go up to Quinnipiac, place that has been tough for us over the years. A tough place to play. I hate going in that building for that reason. And they try to say that building is the same nice as ours. I'm like, and I don't, I'm not here to talk bad about other people's places, but that is not the same as our building. It's not even close. Ours is an intimate basketball spot, and and that's what makes it different because most most of the time you have to have a multi-purpose center. Ours is an intimate basketball spot. They might just do ball in there, but it's it's different than ours. Rolling to Quinnipiac. The- I know you were ready for that game because I saw you on the court a couple hours before the game, and I was like, Coach must be ready because he's never out here this early. <laughs> well, I, you know, sometimes you have to you, – you, guys, I, I truly believe we're supposed to get these guys ready to play. Well, I think that's during practice, okay? Coach Smith never gave us a rah-rah, okay? He right. had the names on the board – not even the names, the numbers on the board, okay? So it was like, I'm playing Georgia Tech. It's Kenny Anderson, the best guard in the country. Well, no, for us, he was number 12, and he was left-handed. And that's all you got, okay? like That, that was our scouting reports, all right? Dennis Scott, best shooter in the country. He was number three with an asterisk by his name, which meant he could shoot, <laughs> okay? But we don't guard him any different than anybody else. And he never was like, and we got to win this one. for. Coach never did that. He gave us the information on the board. We'd run out and go do what we did in practice the whole week. Okay, now he might have been covering something in practice. We wouldn't even know it was part of someone's play. We just drilled it, drilled it, drilled it. And then maybe you're playing Duke and they try to throw it over the top, and you run and block that and knock it off because you're to help. And then you go, oh, man, that's why he had us doing that drill all week. Okay? And he never tried to boost you up to play basketball. You have to be ready to play and compete at the highest level or you don't deserve to win. And so I'm not a guy that's going to rah-rah you. I feel like we prepare during practice, and we go over these things over and over and over, and then we say, you got it? And they say, yeah, and then we go over it way more. So there's no wiggle room on what we're supposed to do. And sometimes you execute it great, and we did that at Quinnipiac the other night. you know. But I got there early because the last time we played a 2 o'clock Sunday game on the road was at Marist. And it's different because you're on the road, we had to spend the night. We're in a hotel. What time you wake them up? What time you're supposed to eat? Because it's two, you don't want to eat too early. You don't want to go to four hours that we normally do. And it just changes things. So I just wanted to make sure we were awake early. That's why I came early to breakfast and was ready just to show them, like, listen, guys, we're not going to walk out there and not be ready at 2 o'clock because we want to wake up slow today. And then when you get to the gym – you know, we have a staff that does all these things with these guys. But when I come, oh, head coach is here, and it just 
okay, guys get a little more juice in their in their veins, and we needed that on on uh, the night up at Quinnipiac. And I don't know if it helped, um, but our kids were super ready that day, and you could see it by our defense. That that's what I always watch at the start. How is our defense looking? Because kids are gonna miss, kids are gonna make shots, kids are gonna some guys gonna have a sore leg, so it takes him a little longer. Well, how is the defense? Is Shavar picking up like he's supposed to? Is George denying? Are we in position to deny? Then I can sit down and go, okay, we're ready. When I don't see that, you know, now now it's a whole bunch of stuff that you that starts going through your mind that maybe we're not ready. Maybe I gotta call way more plays today. Maybe I gotta help them on defense more than, you know we think we should have to help them on game day. So it just, you know, we, we try to get them ready in practice and then it's not a rah, rah to play. We're high level guys. You only get to do it 31 times in a season. And now we're, we're starting on the back end of this. So, and we got a lot of older guys that came back to do something special. I don't, I don't think the coach has to boost you up to get you ready. (laughs) Won't shy away from this one like you talked about before. Um, tough night against Marist last night. Marist has a really talented freshman guard, Jawatuka. John done so hard to play against. What what makes it so difficult for John's teams to, to compete against just the way he does things? Well, I think what happens is everybody knows John's going to not play at a fast, fast pace. Right. Okay, that's what he's known for. Now, this year... They're going a little faster. He and I talked about it for years. He's so good on D. Hey, John, go after people on offense too a little, you know, because then you you got some kids that might get going and then no one can score on you. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think just over the years he's he's looked at it and now he has a he has some kids that are pretty high powered on the offensive end. The reason that this works is when you play his team, you don't get what you normally get. So the shot that I get against everybody else, against him, you don't get. And then kids start to, oh, my goodness, I didn't get what I'm no- I normally get because we all want to get what we're supposed to get. <laughs> well, John does an incredible job of not letting you get what you normally get, where you normally get it. Are you going to calm down and move the ball and work harder to get it? which every coach says that's what you should do, or are you going to settle and say, they can't do this to me, I'm going to go get mine. And most of the times, teams err on, you try to go get it on offense. And you need to make them play defense 30 seconds just like they make you play defense. And then they'll break down just like every other team breaks down when you have to guard for 30 seconds. And we have a bunch of kids that can score. And I give a lot of freedom. So what happens is if we run freelance, everybody gets a chance to shoot. So I'm a bad shooter, but I'm open, and I shoot it. Okay? That's not what's best for our offense right then. That's what John wants you to do. That's what John wants. (laughs) But I'm a kid, too, and I'm like, man, he's standing in the lane, coach, man. He's now I'm going to shoot this one. Well, then that's not what you normally do. So now the guy that normally gets the shot is like, oh, man, pass me the ball. I'm supposed to shoot that. And it just messes with you just enough that, you know, we got back into it, got it to six, and then we went back to 
That's why the teaching point today is going to, or tomorrow, because we had to have off today, is uh, when you, when we got it back, we didn't do the things that helped us get it back. But what you got to understand is all that's happening during the game. You ain't fixing it right then during the game. <laughs> we got to get back to work and understand when we get hit like this, you go longer possessions, not shorter. Longer possessions. Give them a chance to make a mistake. Make them play defense for a while. Then they won't be so quick coming down here on offense just like it does to us. George gets to 1,000 last night, 26 guy to do it, eighth guy since since you've been here to get to 1,000. Obviously not his best night, not the way he wanted to do it. Um, he gets it at the free throw line. But you spoke last night in the press conference just about how he's come so far, and we all know George's story, walk on, prep school, the whole deal. And everybody that listens to this podcast I'm sure knows the story. But I thought you touched on a pretty, pretty good point where you said, young kids in New Jersey just look at this. And people are telling you you can't. Now George has a thousand points. I just thought that was pretty pretty well received for for a kid that really has put in all the work and and got to a thousand points. And now he's going to be listed in the record book forever. Uh, and guys, I, I I really you know when I was a kid, okay, I'm from Binghamton, New York. I'm a biracial guy. My parents didn't go to school really, and I thought I was making the pros. Okay, everybody tells you you can't. So when you're in school and they say, nobody makes the pros, you're going to work in the factory like everybody else. Well, I never thought they were talking to me. Or at least I told myself, well, they're not talking to me. They're talking to everybody else because I'm making it. Okay, well, everybody doesn't think that way. If you get told all the time you're not going to be anything, well, and you can't, you can't, you can't. We have some guys that got coached like that when they were kids. And they struggle with it to this day, having confidence playing ball. And you would think, oh, man, you made it to college. You should be confident. Well, a lot of coaches told them they weren't going to be any good and they weren't going to be anything. And it just, you know, a lot of times in our society, we're quick to tell someone, oh, you can't, you can't do that. Well, why can't they? Why, why couldn't I believe that a kid from Binghamton whose parents really didn't have anything, that had three older brothers, really worked with them, and a younger sister couldn't make the pros because no one did it from my town before. So I was supposed to just walk into that and be okay with that. Well, I'm not like that. And I always tell kids, nobody knows who's going to make the pros. I was supposed to make it and guys that I was better than in high school ended up better than me and they made the pros. Okay. That's sometimes it goes like that, but don't let someone else decide you can't do something. Okay, and George got told his whole life he's not a Division One player. He believed he was, and he did everything in his power to try to get that. And it almost still didn't happen for him. And then we, like I said, then we meet each other, in it, and he gets a scholarship. That was the blessing for him and his family. You, you know, it's $250,000 to go to college. Now he's not in debt. That was the blessing. He got that done. That, you know, and his family could have paid. They would have been fine. Okay, but they didn't have to. Now he has no debt with college. And that kid was supposed to be a Division I player. Okay, coaches, sometimes we see kids so many times, we decide, oh, he's not, he's not good enough. And then you just push him to the side. Well, that kid, they kept trying to push him to the side, and he said, no, you're not pushing me to the side. 
And obviously the same thing, how he was raised. Obviously there was some some dog in there to say, hey, man, we're going to keep going after this. And now George is going to be a pro basketball player. There's no question about it. Where? We don't know yet. Um, that's where I'm, I'm hopeful that I could just, you know, we could really work together these eight games that we have left because I could help him get into a spot where maybe some people call him to – to, to the big spot, just to take a look, because George can shoot, okay? When you can shoot like that, you get chances that other people don't get. It's just what it is. But if you start pressing at the end of your senior year, then you're saying to the pro people, I don't belong up there with y'all. I belong somewhere else. Because pros don't press at the end of the season. Pros do what pros do. And that's, you know, kids, I'm going to be a pro. Well, Pros been pros, <laughs> okay? And now when you have a bad game, are you pressing? Well, no, you should. You see Steph Curry press ever, okay? No, he missed all. He was having his roughest shooting ever and since he'd been playing. He didn't start pressing. He kept doing what he was doing. Then all of a sudden it started going in again, and now it's going in at a clip that it's never gone in before because you know you put in the work, good things are happening. And right now, that he got over that thousand. Y'all remember last year, Dion struggled with a couple of so things right point. around on that time. Cause you want it so badly. The normal stuff you do is just off enough to make you not get it. Just be George Pappas, how you've been for these four and a half years. And he'll score a whole bunch of points down the stretch. If you're pressing to do it. And that's, I don't, I don't want to say he's pressing to do it. He, he wants, he didn't get a lot of this. Shavar didn't either, and neither did Walker. That's the, the the lineup of our guys that are getting a lot of the praise. Didn't get it in high school, none. All the rest of our guys got praised more than these guys getting recruited. And now we got three super seniors that are really great dudes that, of course, they want some of it. But how you go about getting it, don't change who you are. Just keep doing what you're doing. That's why you're on the Lou Henson thing. That's why you're one of the best guards in this league. Just keep being George Pappas. Outside people don't even listen to anything they're saying because it just puts other things in your head that keep you from being the best you. Is it crazy? I know we, we talked about you being 11, here 11 years. Is it crazy for you to think you've had eight guys now get get 1,000 points? See, I didn't, you know, the, the part for me, guys, that's the coolest is we've graduated everybody except for Micah, okay? And Micah's here to get that done, and he's so close. He'll be done at the end of this semester. That's the part for me, okay, because they don't even understand what having this degree means right now. Maybe the first class that I graduated, they might be in the age now where it's really clicking for them, how important it was, what they did. Um, but a lot of guys are still trying to play um, – you know, but this degree from Monmouth, when you're ready to accept I'm not playing anymore and it's time, this is that that's the thing that's gonna carry them. And so having eight guys, that's awesome. Um, that's cool. But for me is if we get this one done with Micah being a graduate and then Chap Chap and Nike are gonna graduate this year and we'll be hundred percent to me that's that's the story of me being here. Um and no one wants to I'm, – I'm fighting to win the championship. 
okay? I'll never stop that because no one wants that more than me either. But the story is 100% graduation once we get there and the impact that because Mammoth and they graduated from here, the impact that these guys are going to have on lives is the cool thing. And, you know, that's probably what I, I'll hang my hat on the most. Um, basketball is going to do basketball. You know, I tell you all the time, when I left home, I was supposed to make the pros. But then a lot of outside things got involved in my life, okay, that made me not be able to make it. And, um, you know, for me, having this degree, my own degree, gave me the chance to have a good life still. I didn't understand it when I got it. I was like, this don't even matter. It doesn't even matter. I didn't make the pros, so what? I got this degree. Well, without it, I would not be here, okay? And I matured as I got older and all those things, and then I had that degree right there for me. So my life's work wasn't just basketball. It was school. I did do all the things that I was supposed to do to have this opportunity that I got at Monmouth. Without that degree, you know, when I, I'm telling you, when I got it, I didn't think I was going to use it ever. <laughs> but then you become 30 years old and 35 and you have a family and you, if you don't have it, then you realize the mistake that you made by not getting it. We'll wrap it up with uh, looking forward to this weekend. Who we got this weekend? No favors from the schedule makers this year for the Hawks. That was the setup schedule. You guys didn't notice that when we saw that? That was that. Thank you guys on our last go. Oh, they didn't know it was our last go around at the time. Wink, wink. But they didn't know, so they just had us go Quinnipiac, Manhattan, uh, Iona uh, at the end of January. <laughs> you can't, you know, the Marist game we were already supposed right, to play, right, so right. we can't worry about that, you know. But no, yeah. just go to Manhattan and go to Iona. And and same weekend. Same weekend following Quinnipiac that we hadn't won in years. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they say, don't lose these three. So wherever they're at, these three are down, you know, but we're, we're still right there, you know? And as I've said, coach P what he's done and has his team right where he has them. Shaw could still catch him. I think, um, you know, uh, coach isn't gonna, I just can't see them losing three, four more times, but Shaw could catch them. Um, Outside chance, Sienna, if they've won out. But I, I, it just – a lot of basketball to be played. But Iona and, and St. Peter's, you know, that still could, could be undecided, I think. And, you know, both of those – Shaw's one of my closest friends, and I look up to Coach P, you know. And Shaw texted me yesterday about some stuff. It's just the relationship that I have with these guys in this league – because of the things we've gone through together is really, really cool. I never thought about that being a head coach, that I would be so tight with so many other head coaches that I compete against for everything in my life. So that we've gotten to that place in this game, I think is really, really cool. Looking forward to a couple games this weekend on the road, and then we get back home next week for Ryder. Uh, make sure you get, grab your tickets for that one. Our fan support has been so awesome this year. We appreciate you guys continuing to come out. Um, so grab your tickets, monothawks.com slash tickets for next week's game against Ryder. Appreciate Steve Massiello for calling in and uh, jumping in, doing an interview today on, on the podcast. And we'll wrap this one up. Coach Rice, appreciate you. And uh, we move forward here on the King of Badger podcast. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Next time, we're going to get scones on with us. He's going to have to hit us from the background. I 
see my mom and dad separate, ain't talking divorce. divorce. Said daddy was living by the fire, and he died by the torch. Jay, Jay. I'm where that is. We like the baby.